All right, we are back after a long hiatus. Uh, this is the Down to the Studs podcast with your host, Brett Stein, uh, real estate podcast host extraordinaire. Um, lots of crazy stuff going on right now in the market. Only fitting that I have one of my first ever mentors in the real estate business, one of my first ever mentors in life sitting to my left, Danny Boy, Daniel Fosh, Fosh Family Homes, Keeping it in the family. Thanks for coming, baby. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I think it's been what, like uh, five years since you had your license? We were doing a little bit up for mm-hmm. everyone watching. We'll say five years, a little bit shorter than that. Um, but we were like grinding oh, Facebook yeah. ads and calls. Before we were grinding, obviously doing everything uh, to code, to Rico. We were grinding while I was studying to get we my were license. inside sales agent. Oh yeah, baby, that's like, fully above board. And uh, you know, you really got me started on the grind, and you know uh, how much work it takes to be a real estate agent, and how much work it takes to be consistent at it. And I know I develop a lot of my habits from you, so I thank you for that. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm I'm glad. Then you're killing it now, so. Listen, doing my best and and also kind of following you as well with all the content that you put out with the, I know you're like, you are a jack of all trades. You are one of the hardest working people in the business from my perspective, Uh, podcasts, huge land deals, financing, real estate sales, um, you know, doing all sorts of different stuff and and also an awesome daddy yeah yeah, yeah. and and you're looking jacked man, Thanks, man. you're so you're yeah. finding time to stay in the gym which yeah, yeah. i am not um it's necessary for me like i uh i can't focus if i don't work out in the day right. but, but yeah i mean i just love this business right like and and i think i just got lucky that you know i fell into it my like you know my parents were in the industry for they've been in the industry for 30 years i grew up surrounded by it and you know there's like when I was growing up, I was like, uh, fuck, I don't want anything to do. I can swear on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, you can, like a, you can swear like on the podcast. podcast. <laughs> I was like, I don't want anything to do with what uh, with what my parents had to do. Like, I, I just didn't, I had no interest in real estate. And then I went away, like I was working on a farm for a bit. And then I was like, went away to Switzerland to the army because I'm half Swiss. And then I was like, I came back and then I, I walked, for some reason, just like got into a, a university program and decided to to jump in and I got so lucky, man. Like it was just like a stroke of luck that like, this is the industry that I'm like ridiculously passionate about. I feel the same way of just kind of how it fell into my lap. Like, so we got connected through and he'll absolutely love this shout out through Jake Ringwald. Yeah, he's going to love it. I actually owe that guy a call. Talking about owing guys a call. He keeps like biting me. He's like, he's like, you need to help me find an assistant. I'm like, if you find an assistant, I'm hiring that. Cause like, you can't get people in this space. Right Every now. time I come out with a new podcast, he's like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. When am I coming yeah, on the yeah, podcast? Yeah. And, I, and you know, I wanted to do a whole thing where I wasn't having like my best buddies on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, you need to expand your audience. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's he's sending it out to all the same people that yeah. I'm sending out every podcast yeah. to. And all my buddies, the only people who are watching this thing, right. know all about Jake anyway. Yeah. So so who cares? But we'll get him on eventually. But he, he connected us. You guys went to Guelph together in the real estate yeah, program. Yeah. Jake was a guy, and again, I hate that I'm talking about him, but he was a guy who was like real estate from the day he came out the womb. Yeah. Right? He knew yeah, he, he was going to be a commercial real estate agent. He fucking knew. And uh, well, look at him. He's like, he's cultivated oh, his skills his whole life. He's crushing. He, it. he is Mr. Yeah. Real estate, Mr. Yeah. Multifamily, Mr. Yeah. Apartment building. And, and 
I mean, from having that plan from so early on, it's something that um, I looked at and I was like, I never want to do that. Right. I never want to be a real estate agent. Never, ever, ever. And I saw all these people because, I mean, when I was coming up, the push was commercial. It was yeah. all commercial. was new and sexy. Nobody I knew was going into residential real estate. It was all commercial leasing. Well, especially if you grew up in Toronto, right? And it was like everybody wants to be like a broker, like a yeah. senior vice president. Go work for CBRE yeah. or wherever, right? Yeah. And Give and, away 50% of your yeah. income so you can have a publicly traded exactly. company on your broker, exactly. on your business card. So, Sorry, guys. Um, it, it is... It's strange how, you know, I did so many different things and then it all came back to real estate and I feel like I couldn't be doing anything else. Right. I agree, man. Like, since I met you that, that I was like, this guy, like, I, I knew, I was like, this guy's absolutely going to fucking clean house in this business. Like, seriously. I appreciate it. And like, you know, like, well, from when we started, I was like, I want to like partner, work together, whatever. But like, it was like, you just, I could see you just going and just crushing yeah. it on your own and you're, and you're absolutely killing it. Well, I think, and one of the one of the reasons why we got along so well is like it, it's pretty quick for me to tell if like someone who I'm talking to is like a good guy and like yeah, yeah. we get along right and so many people in this business are so pompous yeah. and you kind of have to fake smile and, and fake get along with them for the few interactions that you have but I feel like you know we've always shared the fact that we're genuine yeah. and we say what's on our mind and uh, you know that can lead to bickering and arguments that can lead to you know throwing back beers and having a great time um and i do want to get to a little bit of bickering on this podcast and back and forth because i know you have some some crazy views on the market not crazy but true they were crazy like two months ago yeah and uh so i want to kind of go through pre-pandemic real estate market Walk us through the pandemic as best you can to where we are now. Kind of really abbreviated version. What's gone on? What are like the the major points? I guess. Yeah, sure. So I would say, I mean, you almost have to go all the way back to like 2016, 2017. I guess like when you and I were, were working together a little bit, right? Maybe a little bit. I guess it would have been after that. But 16 in Vancouver, they imposed a foreign ownership tax. It decreased the market by like 20 percent. Um, 17 April, um, they increased or they, they imposed a foreign ownership tax in Ontario okay. and the greater golden horseshoe dropped the market from like April to August by like 30 to 40% depending on the area. Right. Well, I remember in 20, so in 2017 flashback, I was working in like Richmond Hill, right. Thornhill area. Um, and, uh, was working with a guy by the name of Ken Wilder. Shout out Ken. Uh, one of my first, my first introduction into the business of real estate. And um, I think it was right in 2017. And it was like the year before the hottest thing ever. Yeah. People were waking up and making 300K a year. Yeah. Like people who had never seen that kind of money before right. ever. Yeah. And all of a sudden I show up and this is the my first introduction into real estate is literally people are wandering around the office not knowing what to do right they're like their phones aren't ringing it's fucking september and they've made like 30k and last year they made 300 right and they've got to put their kids through school and do all this stuff they're gonna pay for the new uh s class yeah because they thought that they were gonna have to sustainably make and we'll get we'll get into that too because that's a crazy thing about being uh you know in a fully commissioned business so and and you're talking about the so there was a uh, a tax imposed yeah. on foreign ownership, yeah. and I believe, like in Richmond Hill, Thornhill, a lot of 
foreign buyers were buying these. Yeah, homes. I mean, it, it was clear at that point that foreign buyers were driving the market, and they were they were causing the exuberance that 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 uh, it led to unsustainable price increases. I think you know it's funny because in the market was just rolling over in March. I would say of that year, like kind of you're starting to see a supply flood. Prices prices were plateauing, and the government was a little bit late to the party. But that was the final nail in the coffin. I think there was like a couple of B twenty things like increasing the stress test, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Then prices came down, couldn't find a bid in the market. Like, you know, August, it was like, pe- like seriously, people were selling for, I, I saw like apples to apples comparisons of like 40% less. I think new right. market, like actually on average and medium price was like 39% from April to August of that year. And then, you know, the, the market traded sideways for a little bit and interest rate rates started coming down, right? As rates started coming back down. The market started heating up again, and we're starting to see it, right? Like right. in, I think like just before COVID, like the condo market was like absolutely on fire. Yeah, it's like hottest leasing record. Prices were growing. Uh, you know, they they were they were the divergence from single family detached was like closing. Like the the city was doing great, and then boom, COVID happened, right? And then you started seeing like I was documenting it pretty early. There was a couple of major factors. So the ones was like you were starting to see agents, city agents driving further and further from their office to do deals, right? So it was a kind of documentable exodus from the city. And everybody knows now in hindsight that that happened, right? Qualitatively, you can say, yeah, like, yeah no one's fucking in the city. Nobody was in the right. city for a bit. Right. Everybody's going to get a backyard and a pool or whatever. And then, so there was that, uh, you know, all the Airbnbs were hitting the market because nobody was coming to party in the city or whatever people do in Airbnbs in the city. Um, condos were vacant like vacancy rate on, on condos went up like crazy yeah, yeah. um and, and and so for a couple of years but then what happened was you know a handful of of uh, central bank policy so monetary and fiscal policy you know the the monetary side being the central banks and the fiscal side being the government spending CERB, etc just like flooded the market with the con- with, with money right so the, you know we outsized our our monetary economy to the point where like everyone's loaded now or if you if you own an asset you're just like loaded right right and Canada was already like a weird country in that way. Like it was like, you know, I think one of the big attractive factors to immigration was like everybody sees everybody driving the C class around here. You know, it's like like everyone's in a Benz and like a nice house and whatever. Like it's like you come to Canada and it feels like everyone's upper middle class, right? Or at least in the GTA, right? Um, Especially like, in like in the core of the city, right? right. Like it, that's why like I always talk about Toronto geographically. Like it's a very interestingly laid out like area right yeah. like when you talk about the epicenter of toronto and then you just kind of keep expanding and keep expanding and keep ex- expanding it's very different like people try and compare markets all the time right yeah. you try and compare it to new york you try to compare it to vancouver like we're talking about islands right yeah. like yeah. this is very different i mean you what what toronto is now is much different than what we called toronto 10 years ago yeah right so and i feel like and, and, and I know you're talking about people moving outside of the city. Um, but answer me this question. Do you think that in 10 years, like in 10 years, who owns detached or just freehold properties in the city of Toronto? Like there, there's only a finite amount, mm-hmm. right? So in my mind, when I, and I, and I know we talk, you talk about quantitative, qualitative, <sighs> all spins around in my brain. I like to try and look at everything as logically as I can because I'm not as smart as you are. Um, I don't know if I'd say it, that. It, I just know a lot of big words. It's, yeah, okay. Um, like, I just think there's 
a finite amount of these freehold properties right. in Toronto. And in 10 years, they're only going to be owned by the most fortunate people in the province. And those are most likely going to be the wealthiest people. And those properties are going to be the highest priced properties. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that thesis. I guess it, it depends. Like, I think that there's there's a lot of different ways that the future of Toronto could play out. And, and that, I guess, is why it becomes important to examine sort of like what's happening with with the economy right now right like i don't know i don't think i, I would call this a likely outcome but I, I think it's a potential one like you know toronto could end up like los angeles as a result of the disparity that's happening right now right like that's that's within the go the into that more like yeah, so in in los angeles you have like a very small middle class it's a very disparate uh place right so you have opulent extreme wealth right you know 20 30 million dollar mansions beverly hills blah, blah, blah. i'm six kilometers away of skid row right right um again i don't i really don't see it happening in toronto but it's it, it just like when you start to see the cyclicality of urban areas and what happens as a result of encoding disparity so like we've created when you when you pump all this money into the economy and assets inflate the people who have them get way richer and the people who don't get relatively way poorer right, right. when the cost of living starts going up all of the people who don't now have same income or, or decreased income maybe because they're working in the service industry or whatever right um and then they also have um to spend more money for regular things or for if they ever want to buy an asset or pay rent yeah, or whatever. Well, I then... mean, it, even as simple as, I mean, not so long. When I bought this house and I spent $1.125 million on an En-Road townhouse um, with parking, three beds, uh, and a basement, like, okay, you could, you could spend under $1.3 million and buy something like this and, and either put a tiny bit of work in or even buy something. Like I was looking at turnkey properties for under $1.4 That's not even close to a possibility. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, when if, you, if I got a condo buyer and they were like, my budget's a million dollars, I was like, oh my God, amazing. We're gonna, we could buy any condo you want, right? right. And it was an, but now... Those condos are 1.2, 1.3 million. Now the, even the the chance to buy something that needs to be gutted is like at 1.4, right? At least. Yeah, and so the question becomes like, why, right? Like, what what changed to cause that? And to me, it's like two things change. One is the amount of money, and two is the price of money, right? So interest rates went down, and the amount of money in the system went right, up, right? And so when you have that, you have it, you know. People talk about Canadian real estate as excess demand, right? Like, and it is. There's more people who want to live in Canadian houses. You can use Toronto as an example. There's more people who want to live in houses in Toronto than there are houses in Toronto. I think that will remain true for a long time. But you also have to think about excess demand as the amount of dollars chasing a house in Toronto, right? right? Not just the amount of people. So it's not just the number of bids in the market. It's the, the size of those bids. Right. As you start to bring the interest rate down, the cost of that money comes down, so the buying power reduces, right? There's no way they can take a lot of the money that was put into the market. They can't fucking get that out. Like, they literally cannot. It's right. like the financial system is so broken, right? But the way that they can change 
the way the credit system is bond yields go up so the bond market is starting to pull my you know request money out of the market saying hey there's too much fucking money in the market bond yields start to go up banks start to put money into bonds rather than mortgages right so that's how like that's just fundamentally right. how it works because like you're rbc you're like i'm gonna there's two the two least risky things i can do is either give brett a mortgage maybe not you you're super risky but no uh but the two two least risky things i can do is give brett a mortgage or go buy a bond right so if, if a bond yield goes up they're gonna have to charge you more money now to compete with that bond right, right. so that's on the fixed side then the other side is the bank this is the shit that we're all hearing about everybody in the country now apparently follows the bank of canada yeah. which is crazy I don't know if that's because of me, but no, like, <laughs> but like everybody's paying attention to like yeah. what, you know, what the bank of Canada oh, is. No, doing. it's because of, it's because there's Everyone fucking, has a fucking mortgage. 80,000 <laughs> real estate agents yeah, in the yeah, city of Toronto. They're all reposting yeah, what you're posting. Yeah, yeah, they're I don't just even know. Okay, they don't yeah. even know what they're posting. Oh, bank of Canada. I, I, I guarantee you if we did a poll, like 85% of real estate agents don't even know what the bank of Canada is. No, I no, don't. I don't think they know. How. Yeah. You're right. Like, well, they probably, they kind of do, but like, they don't really, they're like interest rates. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. It is funny, right? Like, it's funny too because like the the content is just so fucked. Like, it's just broken the market. That's yeah. why like I literally just got on TikTok recently because I was like, TikTok needs like a bear. Like, they need like they need somebody to come in here and be like, you guys need like a dose of realism right. in this platform. Like, well, everyone's like, yeah, just like buy a condo, yeah. flip it, yeah. <laughs> make a million dollars. Yeah. It's like no, no. Like, well, a lot of a lot of these TikTok stars. And, you know, I've spoken to some of these guys who are unbelievable with content, but they don't sell real estate. Right. They make money off of their Instagram right. accounts, YouTube's account, accounts. But they don't make that much money, right? Like, I mean, real estate. I think sometimes they like, like 100 grand a year or something. Like yeah, yeah I mean, like, yeah. I don't know. And, and, and then they get these deals from other people, right. you know, selling them stuff and advertising, whatever. But so with that price change right like right. and you're talking about the demand and the amount of people that 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 money have and people say well toronto's the largest growing city in terms of population so now when you're saying what you're saying i'm thinking about well who cares about population growth if none of these people can afford to buy these homes right, right? and yeah absolutely like the, the new immigrants are coming in yeah it's not like they have a condo in toronto to sell so right. that they can get their down payment like right. because most people who are getting into the market right now they either have money from mom and dad i would assume yeah or they're selling a condo, selling a smaller yeah. house in, in order to upgrade. The new immigrants coming in, this population growth that we have that we think is just going to sustain the market, like no problem, they don't have that down payment, right? It depends, right? Like, it, so there, there have been, um, they're, they're allowed to buy with different standards than Canadians, than domestic Canadians. Um, like they have a marketable skill set, they can actually get a mortgage without having a job if they you know if they can afford the payments for a certain period of time so they can get a job um these are uh, you know and a lot of these programs are kind of unwinding a little bit because there's risk in the market now but i, I would agree with you like i think that you're running out of rich people to immigrate to canada right like and the question becomes is canada still compelling for rich right. people to immigrate to like and I don't know, right? Like I'm, I'm not an immigrant and I, I, I work with, I don't know, I'd say quite a few and I talk to as many of them as I can. I think like pre pandemic it was right. I agree. And so I the, think a lot of people's opinions right. changed on Canada yeah. and Toronto and Ontario with the handling of the pandemic. Like yeah, beforehand, right. it's like, Oh, I want to move to Canada. Right. Now nobody wants to move to fuck Canada. Right. And, but I think that like a lot of this happens and like, I'm really not a geopolitical guy. So like, I'm, I, I, we should probably move on from this <laughs> okay. one. 
like eventually, but like let's I'll give you like kind of a quick summary on on what I what I think is going on in the world right now. I think that you are seeing a, a shift in power globally, and and the countries that that we that a lot of people migrate from into Canada are the countries that are ending up with the power, and they don't they don't like a, a country that is moving further left uh, and and exercise like you literally saw the con the ottawa the chinese consulate in ottawa like reaming out justin trudeau on twitter right like and so, like and so so i think you have china india i mean russia would be a good example and obviously a touchy subject right now but like there's sort of like this there's a lot of shit going on in that part of the world mm-hmm. where we don't really we're kind of like left out of it north right. and north america is like and i just don't know if if it's super compelling not just Economic, like economically, it's not compelling for people to immigrate to Canada. But I don't know because I'm not in that position whether or not it's like Canada is offering a compelling social environment, cultural environment for the people who want to migrate from right. those those countries, right? Because right. they have they they're communicating with their actions, with their politics, with you know like the way that they're that those countries are running that they have different values mm-hmm. than Canada, right? right. So. so we'll move on, and we we're talking a little bit about. Uh, no, the price is going up and all this stuff. Okay, so now we're at a point yeah. um, where obviously interest rates uh, are increasing. Yeah. Um, and uh, we are, at least I feel it, the real estate agents that I speak to, um, you know, and we'll see when the, the next stats come out and, and we'll continue to tell that story. But we're seeing a little bit of a lull in the market yeah. for sure. Um, we're seeing less competition than we were seeing. We're seeing uh, less bidding wars. We're seeing less crazy numbers that real estate agents can brag about selling for $300,000 over asking. Um, and so is that that's a direct result of the mortgage rates? <sighs> it's a tough question. Um, I would say yes and no. So I think that January to February, uh, whatever happened, like that huge price escalation, that was just like, that was very late cycle behavior. That was like a melt up. I think that, well, so we, we had one rate hike happen at that point, right? 25 basis points. And I think people were like calling the bluff, like, oh, this is it, right? Like, I actually think that that first rate hike almost, it it was some, you could argue that people were rushing in to try and get, lock in a lower rate before the rate hikes happened, which might actually be the best move. I don't really know. I mean, time will tell. Um, But you know, if you're, if you're, if rates go up to 200 basis points so 2%, then, you know, your capital cost is actually going to go up enough that it might actually be worth it. Right. Um, But anyway, so, so the philosophy was, I think you're seeing, that was like peak FOMO too. Realtors were like, damn, fucking prices are going to get out of control. Like crazy. Like it was literally like I've never seen I have seen a market like that in 2017. Like right. March of 2017 was the exact same. Well, but, the sentiment I remember when we had that first increase, like we didn't really care. Right, and pe- and if that's what yeah, exactly. And everyone was like that, and that was the thing, right? It was like it added actually. Oh, added, this is fan, all they're yeah, exactly. Do? Like, oh, oh amazing. that's it. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah. Right. But then what I think what happened was you actually reached an organic peak, right? Like eventually people were like, like it, there comes a point where it's there's like again. Up, qualitative quantitative or whatever you want to call it but like on the on the psychology side people are like i don't want to pay that much money for a fucking shed in keswick anymore you know so that prices come back down yeah and and then or they're like i'm just gonna rent for a couple of years and see what happens and then or maybe i'm just never gonna own a house again but then the other part is 
at a certain point, you can't buy a house anymore. Like prices get high enough. Mm-hmm. Every time prices go up, you lose buyers, right? They just, dis- they disappear. People, there's a, a group of people that can no longer qualify right. at that average price. So eventually the economics tighten that price back down to within the realm of, oh, now there's more buyers. Okay. And so we're, we were, I think we were reaching that plateau and that brings me back to that kind of 2017 thing where in 2017, they, we, we had the, the, the exact same thing happen right before the policy error from my perspective. I think that the non-resident speculation tax was a policy error. And I think that the current budget that we just saw was a policy error, right? Um, and probably on the Bank of Canada side, same thing. Like they're literally starting the rate hiking cycle after the market peaked. Yeah. Like, and it was, I was calling the top in so you're February. Seeing, you're I called seeing it multiple organic, times in February. You're seeing, from your perspective, you're seeing an organic slowdown. For sure. And then you're accelerating that with the rate hikes. And then, like, I mean, the, the way that I've been explaining it and thinking about it is, you know, think about the stock market. What drives the stock market? News. Right. News drives the stock market, right. period. It doesn't matter how your company's doing. Right. Sure, you want to release your financials and uh, your earnings. That's news. Right. And that's driving your stock price. Right. All of a sudden, you start flooding the internet with all these articles. Every single real estate agent is posting about the right rate hikes. That's news. Right. And from a lot of people that I've spoken to, uh, we're just going to sit back and watch and see what happens for a little bit because we, we're going to see a big drop, right? So they're not buying. And then because they're not buying, they're correct in their statement that they're going to wait for a drop, right, right. in price. Um, but I'm thinking about like what actually needs to happen for those prices to drop. So, and, and comparing it to 2017, and, and you know more of this than I do, so correct me if I'm wrong, but we saw an influx of foreign buyers who were buying houses that before, let's just say we're selling at 1.7 million, now they're selling for 2.2 million. Yeah. They're buying these houses in Richmond Hill for 2.2 million, boom, boom, throwing offers out without even seeing these houses. Everybody's laughing, everybody's making money. There were some people who chose not to sell at that time. Maybe they were greedy. They thought that they could get more later or they just weren't ready to sell. They didn't have anywhere to go, whatever it might be. All of a sudden, you tax those people. The foreign buyers are now no longer in the market. And the guy whose neighbor sold for 2.2 a month ago thinks he can sell for 2.2. Right. So he lists his house for 2.2. Right. And his house sits on the market forever until he lowers it to 2.1, then to 2, and then to 1.9. And then he just decides to take it off the market and never sell it. Right. Right. So like, I feel like that's where we could end up with, you know, my neighbor across the street sold for 2.25 million. If I wanted to sell, I'm looking for 2 million. No problem. Like I am looking for 2 million. And if the market isn't going to give that to me, then my house is going to sit on the market forever. And it's going to be a stat. And all the other houses that are sitting on the market are going to be a stat. The days on market is going to go up. And eventually the people who need to sell are going to keep lowering their prices until they sell. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of differences I would say between now and then, like, but in the micro, you're absolutely right. Like I think that when you just think about consumer behavior and people listing their houses and failing to sell and whatever. Yeah. But then it also ignore like that, that, like I would say that's probably greater than 50% of what could happen. Then there's an, like seller expectations yeah. being too high. Yeah. Yeah. And all, yeah, exactly. And eventually those people may need to sell or they can just hold it forever and maybe we'll, we'll actually end up like Germany where people hand their houses down to their kids rather than, you know, because their kids can't afford houses. The other piece of the puzzle is you have record high people getting into variable rate mortgages, right? 
Um, and so rates go up, their capital cost goes up, right? And so, um, you know, financial stress can begin as a result of interest rates going up. Um, interest rates go up, the economy is, we're going to be in a recession. Like we will be in a recession in, within a year. I, I would say it would, be, it would surprise me if it took longer than the end of this year. I would expect we'll be in a recession within six months. Right. Um, people start losing jobs. Don't worry, people. I'll save us. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, but the, the reality, I, I actually believe that you probably could. Like, <laughs> um, the, you know, people start losing jobs. Like, like our generation, like we, especially in Canada, in the U.S. it's a little bit different, but our generation has never seen a bear market, like ever. Like in the U.S., like, yeah, shit got fucking crazy there. But that barely, very, barely impacted us because we were in a good, pretty solid financial position and started tapering and, and reducing rate, or sorry, uh, started quantitative easing, reducing rates, etc. Um, it's different now. It's you know our run up is is very different. Canada doesn't have a diverse economy. We depend on housing a lot. You know, like I mean, everyone sitting in this room right now is making money off of the real estate space, right? Well, you are technically because you're filming guys who are talking about <laughs> real estate, right? So, you know, I don't, it's obviously not your primary income, but like, I think it's like something like greater than 60% of the Canadian economy makes money from real estate, right? So like you start to see contraction and it starts to, that trickles into household spending, et cetera. Things start to come down, the whole economy contracts. That's like the, the kind of like scary scenario. But the thing is like, and, and you know, referencing the US as well, everyone's like, oh, and it's like all the realtors who just want fucking clickbait headlines. Like it's like guys who are saying like market's gonna go up thirty percent year over year. Like I literally saw a thumbnail on somebody's YouTube. It was like market's gonna grow thirty percent, and then like his next video was like market's gonna crash. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. and like and it's like okay, cool. So, but it, the market can't crash in Canada. Like I'll say that, and like I'm probably the most bearish realtor that I know. Like the market cannot crash here. The reason it can't crash like the states is because like and a crash is like a peak to trough like big sell off. Right. In the States, they have foreclosure and they have something called jingle mail. And we have jingle mail in Alberta. Jingle mail is basically like the jingling refers to the keys. You can go and like hand the bank your keys to your house and be like, I don't want to fucking pay this mortgage anymore. And then they'll just sell it. Right. And in that case, if you're forfeiting the house, they're selling it. They have no obligation to protect your equity. In a foreclosure, the bank literally takes your house from you. They're like, you didn't pay your mortgage. I'm taking your fucking house. Or you got 30 days to square up. Otherwise, I'm taking your house. And then they sell it and they have, again, no obligation to take right. your, uh, protect your equity. In Canada, you know, we have a lot of more socialistic policies, more more socially conscious policies, let's call it. I would say socialistic as well. Um, we have power of sale. So in Canada, or in, in most real estate economies in Canada, I think Alberta and there's a couple of other ones do have foreclosure. But in most real estate economies, uh, you, if you're a bank, if you stop paying your mortgage and I, I'm lending you money, I have to go to the court. I have to say, hey, I want to exercise power of sale. And then the court has to issue a document. That document stipulates how much I can list the house for, at what time I can do price reductions, how quickly I can reduce the price, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's like this whole list of documents on how I can sell your house. And it's designed to protect homeowner equity. So there isn't really a fire sale scenario. Like in order for prices to drop 50%. Some, like people say, like... I mean, I remember since the beginning of like my first day in real estate, one of the first things I heard a client tell me was, find me power sales. Right. But right. meanwhile, I see some power sales that are selling for $600,000 right. over asking yeah. and they're yeah. 
crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that's not necessary. Just because it's a power of sale doesn't mean it's a good deal. Doesn't mean right. it's a reduction in price. No, yeah. If anything, like there's more people doing what you're like doing what your clients doing, and if anything, it's actually like more the more competitive because yeah. everyone's like, oh yeah, we're gonna get a oh, deal on this freaking yeah, thing, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think it's like anyway. So the 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 main part of that is like in order for prices to come down fast, you need people to reduce prices fast. But the reality is, people only have to pay their mortgage once a month, right? So if if I stop paying my mortgage, it's going to take two, three months for the bank to be like, all right, okay, this guy's probably done paying his mortgage. I know. Maybe I should, we should start trying to trying to move this place, right? And so the, the next question is, oh, are our investors or who, who is the most liquid seller, right? Are investors going to um, start cutting their prices by fifty percent overnight? No, because they have cash flow if they want. If they're inv- if they're technically investors, not speculators or whatever. So. They're just like, yeah, I'll just keep the house and rent it out or whatever, right? So the 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 crash style of drop isn't isn't like it can't it functionally, mechanically cannot happen in Canada. So what we need to do is start thinking about like people like you and I, I think our primary job is to to help clients well our, we literally have a fiduciary duty to help clients make a decision in their best interest. So we need to know what that is. And what that is in, in, in a bear market, in a market that is clearly moving down and, and has all of the signs of headwinds that it will continue to move down for a period of time is we need to manage downside risk, right? We need to help people find a house that they're literally not going to give a shit if the market, like if you, you know, you're selling mostly residential properties. It's like, let's find you a house that you don't like, you literally wouldn't care if it dropped 10% overnight because you're so fucking in love with the house, right? Especially right. If, you're in a, if you're in a market that's more of a buyer's market, like let's start having those conversations. How do we... How do we protect ourselves? How do we make decisions that, you know, how do we come up with a proper strategy where it's like, yeah, okay, it does come down 10%, but you know, maybe I'm going to go buy, if, I, if I'm an investor, I'm going to go make sure I'm going to have some cash to, to well, buy yeah, another one. There are, there are huge problems right now. And I mean, as a real estate agent, I hate real estate agents, so I'm right. pretty sure you feel the same way. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of our problems or some of our problems are caused by real estate agents who quite frankly don't know what they're doing. Right. Um, and they hear, maybe they sell a few houses a year and they hear crazy market, crazy market, crazy market. And the house comes up one day on the market and they, for, you know, based on their experience, whatever, they convince their buyer to go in on day one and spend $500,000 over asking. Right. Not realizing that, you know, Maybe if you waited till offer night, there probably wouldn't have been any offers because there's no parking. The frontage right. is only this, that, you know, and, and I'm seeing that often. I mean, I was involved in offers uh, a couple weeks ago and um, I was waiting. There were no offers. It's seven o'clock. They're supposed to be reviewing offers. The listing agent saying, well, they're maybe waiting for one and I don't want to submit my offer until, mm-hmm. I, until the other person submit theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was listed at like, let's say 800,000. Um, and the place was probably worth around 1.1. And all of a sudden the offer came in and the agent called me. He's like, I have no idea what just happened. She just sent me an offer at a ridiculous price, like a hundred grand over the last comparable. Um, and she was the only offer. And let's say my offer was at 1.1, they spent 1.25. So they literally won the bidding war with only two people by 150 grand when they could have spent 1.125 and won the house. And that's because there's too many people in the city who are real estate agents who are helping drive the market who don't know what they're doing but at the same time in these times whoever bought that house is probably it's probably a young family right. great people sit on the couch watch the game with them and have a beer 
But the reality is, if they were to sell their house tomorrow, it would only be worth 1.1. Right. And they paid $150,000 more than that. Right. Yeah, I mean, man, like, that, that shit shouldn't happen, right? Like, and, and, and a lot of people talk about, uh, like, opening up the, the bidding, right? Like, Justin Trudeau, during his campaign, promised that he would, he would get rid of the blind bid. And I, I don't think it actually, like, Australia has open bidding and their prices are as out of control as ours, right? Um, but I think it, it'll eliminate cases like that, right? And, and it'll eliminate cases where agents are so fucking lazy and they don't want to price a house properly. So they rely on the market to price it for them, right? Like, I think you need to, you, we do need tools to start eliminating micro risks. And that's a big, very good example, right? That, that, that to me is like why you're paying an agent, why you should be comfortable paying an agent 5% or right. more. Like, you can overpay for a house very easily by 10 to 20%. Like, what, how, what was that house worth? One point? Yeah, let's say one point one. They right. they spent one hundred. They literally overpaid by ten percent. Yeah. If they had an eight, and and, and it's probably because freaking cousin Joe was giving them a kickback of twenty five grand. It's like okay, cool guys, you just got you just literally forfeited one hundred and fifty k to get twenty five grand cash kickback on your commission. Right. Like you, the 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 cognitive dis- dissonance around people thinking about the wrong number, right? Like people always say that to me. Oh, can you can you reduce your fee on the listing? It's like. If that's what the number that you're focused on, you're thinking about the wrong number, yeah. right? No, for sure. And and so, okay, so getting back into interest rates, obviously we're going to continue to see a few more hikes. Um, but when I'm trying to think about it logically, we're really only at the number now that we were at pre-pandemic. Right. Right? Yeah. So people are concerned about the rates. And I know you were talking before about you know the buying power, but... People are so concerned about the rates, but it's like, listen, we lowered the rates in order to make it easier on everybody in the economy within the pandemic. Yeah. And now we're out of the pandemic. Right. And they're coming back to normal. Right. Uh, is- yeah. I mean, I think the chat, like, you know, it's very, it's, I guess it's not that complex, but it's a little bit more complex than like, like this, the Bank of Canada doesn't operate independently. Like they literally they're irrelevant to what's happening in the world right now, like completely irrelevant. They follow the Fed and the Fed, we in Canada, I don't think we're very honest about inflation. Like it doesn't keep, include used car sales. It doesn't include shelter costs, et cetera. Saying inflation in Canada is five in the 5% range is complete bullshit. But in the States, they are reporting inflation at eight and a half percent. That's fucking high. That's 40 year high. So we know that the Fed is going to increase interest rates and they're going to take that shit seriously. And the reason that they're going to do that is because they have to protect their status as a global currency, right? If, if the U.S. dollar starts to get debased as a global currency, that's bad for, well, at least for the U.S. and their objectives in running, being the world police and whatever. But we have to have close to approximate parity with that, right? So that the Canadian dollar doesn't get fucking destroyed. Otherwise, we have other problems to deal with. So this most recent rate hike is the Bank of Canada increasing to basically in response to us inflation because canadian inflation doesn't fucking matter like canadian inflation is probably double what it is in the us but like we don't tell the truth about it so it really doesn't like it's a completely irrelevant metric right we know inflation is high right and we know that the us is going to do something about inflation being high and so the bank of canada is going to do something as well right so we need our interest rate to be similar to the us so our our the canadian dollar doesn't get destroyed basically so where where do we go from here to Balance. Where yeah. do we go from here to find a happy place where everybody can be happy and frolic around in their backyards 
and uh, you well, know, I not think be you can do that anyway, right? Like, I think that you know, I, I think that people just need to, uh, you know, like you got to understand what's going on, and then and then just you know feel at, at ease and at peace with it, and like do you know you, we can only do what we can do, right? And then, but but yeah, I think like you know, if I think you're talking like bigger picture, obviously, but um, I, I would say the the Fed will likely increase rates quickly to try and cap inflation. I, we're going to find out pretty quickly whether or not inflation is actually based on supply chain issues and a bunch of other shit, or if it's other you know problems, um, or if it's sorry if it is mon- more monetary problems. But they're going to increase rates fast, cap inflation. Inflation should start coming back down. They try and keep it around two percent. If it if they get it to two percent, they're going to fucking drop rates again fast, like fast, fast, because the global economy is going to be fucked up in the next right. like year, like very messed up, right? If, like if you d- double interest rates, then do the fan just go off? Yeah, like, yeah, it's a trip. yeah. <laughs> my white noise. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you double interest rates, like that's going to have a huge impact on the global economy, right? Like huge. Yeah. And so yeah, they're like they're rushing to get inflation under control quickly, and it's going to cause a recession, unfortunately. But right. a recession is not as bad as an inflationary environment. And it's funny, it's so similar to, I don't know how long we've been talking, we're probably boring the shit out of all you people, but this is, this is life. Um, it's, you can compare this directly to like the pandemic and how... Yeah. Uh, you just cut it into two the, episodes, yeah, it's yeah. too long. <laughs> the handling of the pandemic, right? right? Uh, look at any government, right? right. Cases go up. Right. Mandates, yeah, mandates, yeah, mandates as yeah. fast as possible. Cases go down. Okay, guys, Dude, go out and It's enjoy. actually so fucking funny that you say that because it's like the same thing. Like yeah. it's literally them trying to control a fucking curve. Yeah. Like that's it. After it's already gone. Right. Yeah. right? Like yeah. so it's it's like reactionary rather yeah. than um again, not a smart guy. What's the opposite of reactionary? Like when you preemptively yeah, solve that's the, right the problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um so in my head, it's like, okay, we could have fucking for like, you see the market going crazy. You're telling me that let's just say the bank of Canada, there's right. like two guys sitting in a room and they're not like, yeah, things are crazy. We should probably, um, try to get at least a little bit of moderation here. How do we right. moderate this so that we don't end up here to here to here to here. Right. Okay? And, um, there's gotta be ways to do that. I mean, in my head, I can think of a few ways. Right. Um, but you wait till it gets so crazy yeah. and then you react. Right. That's how you have a crash, right? Yeah. Um, so just like with the pandemic, it's it's no different. You uh, now, and I, and I would think that, you know, over time, some rate hikes, right. slowly, patiently, let's yeah. massage this into yeah. the consumer so that everybody can remain calm. But now all of a sudden, every fucking two weeks, you're yeah. seeing article, 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 yeah. article. And it's it's pushing heavily on people, For right? Sure. Um, so th- like bottom line, like this was done too fast. It's being done too fast. Is that the point? Yeah, well, I think, but it has to be. Because like, again, the central bank's mandate is to c- control inflation. Like, yeah, they should have not let inflation get out of control. Like that's the easy way to control things, like you're saying, right? Like preventatively. Like right. prevent inflation, right? Don't don't be like, oh fuck, oops, like, yeah. like <laughs> sorry guys, we let it get out of control. Yeah. Now like we're gonna decimate the economy. It's like maybe you know look at it when it's seven percent and be like, hey, we should probably start, or when it's three percent, you know, it's like, oh shit, like that's a lot higher than it's supposed to be. Let's just like, but they but that was back when they're like, oh, it's transitory, and it's like, oh, it's supply chain disruptions, and like that might be true, but like fucking fix supply chains too, then like. Yeah. 
like I'm not it's so easy to say because we're just two dudes sitting here like at the very bottom of like the supply chain right and it's like yeah well why don't you guys just like stop making stuff in China it's like well it's not that easy right or like or yeah sure Brett but do you want to pay five times as much for your t-shirt right why not and that's inflationary too so I mean it's a very complex problem to solve I just don't know like I, I don't see a way in which they're going to be able to do it to that that'll be like that's not going to suck like right. there's gonna be a, it's gonna be painful for sure, I would say. But inflation would be would be more painful. Yeah. Like and if you're paying thirty bucks for broccoli, like that sucks. Yeah, oh yeah. Broccoli sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, bottom line is and I and you did bring it up that the Canadian market is different from a lot of other markets in terms of real estate, in terms of having that cushion for a crash. Yeah, right? just just mechanically. Yeah. Like and, I, I think I I'll, I'll say this. I think that prices from peak to trough, they're gonna go down a lot. Like it, it wouldn't surprise me to see prices come down like thirty plus percent, right? Right, but it's not going to happen fast. It won't happen nearly. But meanwhile, thirty percent, like I don't, know, I, I remember seeing something that you posted. Thirty percent uh, would like take us back to like October like a, of last October, year. It is October yeah. of last year. So it's like I was pretty happy in October right. of last yeah. year. I'm pretty sure you guys were yeah. all happy in October of last year. Fine, take it back. Yeah. But I think that also and. All these stats and numbers and percentages are all based on averages, right? right? They're all based on taking a look at all the data. Yeah. Um, but I think that does still leave an opportunity for buyers, for people to get into situations where there is no competition, mm-hmm. right? So a house that would have sold for $1.8 million three weeks ago might sell for 1.55 because the sellers have to sell yeah. and they bought something else and it's an opportunity for you to get a deal. That buyer who buys that property, let's say for 1.55, if instead they said, well, I'm going to wait for prices to drop, the prices might drop, but that house might be worth in six months 1.65. So it didn't drop as much as the deal that you could have gotten right now. And and if interest rates are still increasing, your cost of buying goes up, like your capital. So most people haven't done that math, right? Like that's the primary thing I think most people should be doing right now is, okay, sorry guys. (laughs) Okay, if my rate goes up by... Uh, 2%, right? Then, okay, how much more am I going to pay on my mortgage? And if I think prices are going to come down less than, you know, if I, if it's 50 grand over my mortgage, which it could be on a $2 million house over five, five years, if I don't think prices are going to come down more than 50 grand, then I should still be buying, right? Because right. it's like you either pay it on interest or you pay it on price. And you spoke about variable mortgages, which 90% of the market is going into right now. I think 60%. 60%? Okay. Uh, close. Yeah. Um, and, um, there are several banks that are not adjusting your actual monthly mortgage yeah. cost, right? Yeah. So your percentage of interest is going up when the rates change. So you're not paying as much principal. You're not building as much equity. But I mean, but yeah, most people in Canada they they literally just are buying a payment. Like yeah. they just think you, you nope. don't. You're just committing yourself to a liability. Nobody's right? cared about you know paying off your mortgage no. since no. our parents were trying to pay off their mortgages, right? right? right. Like nowadays, the bank is. I don't know if they used to do this, but they literally fine you for trying to, they don't want you to pay off your mortgage. Right. Yeah, they, yeah. they fine you for paying yeah, right. a, a certain percentage of your yeah. mortgage off. Yeah. So, um, if your, if your payments aren't changing and your cost of living, uh, you know, other than inflation and all this shit isn't changing in terms of your mortgage cost, then it might be worth it to get into a variable rate at right. 1.75. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of people, people are still buying variable rates. Like are they buying with variable rates? Because 
most people are calling the Bank of Canada's bluff or the Fed's bluff or whoever, but they're basically saying, look, the rates are going to go up and then they're going to come back down fast. And I, I completely agree with that. I just think what happens in the process of them getting up. And I think I would, I would estimate, like, again, if we see a 30% peak to, to peak to trough kind of decline in prices in Canada, that's going to take a long time. I would say that's probably going to take no less than two years, right? Um, for it to kind of like stabilize at the bottom. Like I think you'll see some kind of at the forefront, it'll be pretty quick and you're starting to see a little bit of panic as it is right now. But I mean, and the reality is like, if you're calling for a crash, if you're like, oh, fucking house prices need to crash, Canada's fucked. Like, and because you're like some like housing bear who's like pissed off that they didn't get in the market 10 years ago because Uncle Tony told them that the housing market was going to crash then. Like that, like that's shitty. You shouldn't be, you tr- shouldn't be trying to like, pray that the like the foundation of the canadian economy like it's like in the big short when he's like you know oh yeah congrats guys you're rich like now what's going to happen yeah. like, people are going to lose their jobs like so the reality is we should be that's the greatest outcome for for canada for the housing market for canadians is prices come down over a long period of time it allows people to trade in and out right it allows people to ex- establish their own investment theses etc right like to mitigate losses mitigate risk you know, make, uh, make trade, buy and sell in the same market. Whereas like in February, if you sold in February and bought in March, you made a spread. Or if you bought in February and sold in March, you lost money because you're buying and selling in different markets. Right. It shouldn't be like fucking stock trading, right? It shouldn't be like, and, and, and the, we need to, the government, central bank, whatever needs to get it under control. Yeah. So hopefully they do. I don't know. Well, listen, Danny boy. Yeah. You are, you are my first real estate agent on the podcast and first and uh, worst. First and worst and best, and I appreciate you for coming on. I mean, uh, you know, family business, Fosh family, baby. Yeah. I mean, I've I've worked with your mom. Yeah, I've I've done some stuff with your dad. Um, work with your brother. Sent me an yeah. unbelievable plan for my backyard, which yeah. we're using. We got guys right out there right now drilling, and uh, man, his drawings are sick. Yeah, he's good. And I mean, he sent them to me, and I was like, "Who does he think I am? Fucking Jeff Bezos? Like I've got like." <laughs> built-in barbecues fucking shit coming from the ceiling and but it, it was unbelievable and um i know you do a lot of stuff on the finance side as well yeah. with avena yeah um anything anything else crazy going on right now not really like I, i'm just i'm i'm really optimistic on um small cap development in the gta like i think that um the province's affordable housing um, task force report to me is, is really bullish for infill development that they want to take away the keys from municipalities basically and make planning a province-wide thing I don't know if Doug Ford will win the election coming up but but you know if they if the task force report it if that if that specific recommendation holds true then infill is going to be a lot easier to develop so yeah I mean I'm, for me it's like trying to buy stuff like that um, putting together like a small fund of, of guys who are doing little infill projects like that. So like, you know, kind of like four to eight units. Cause nobody's really doing that well. Like there's this pocket in the market right now where it's like stuff's too, too big for the small guys and too small for the big guys. Right. right. It's kind of like your 10 to 50 million project size. So stuff like that uh, is like really what my next focus is. And then like, I also, uh, I, you know, I, I was on a podcast like last week, um, Gary Clute, uh, you should actually check him out and maybe talk to him. Yeah, you guys yeah, are doing yeah. like a little crossover. He's a fucking awesome dude. Um, but, uh, cause he's just launching his, so you guys would have a, a good time together, I'm sure. But, um, basically I was like, I, I might actually like run for municipal politics just to like get some, get some attention around this I shit. I would vote for you. Well, get some young people out. Like yeah. Yeah, our generation, like we haven't a big enough, um, 
share of the population pie now that we should be deciding elections and we're not because we're I, too fucking lazy to go out and vote i before i had a dream of being a national football league superstar uh i i would close my eyes at night and i was the president of the united states right there's problems there why don't we both run for municipal politics this year i think it's good if you want to run for your like ward councilor right here like you'd get so many fucking deals out of that is dude. it on it's okay. like an excuse to go door knocking Listen, i oh 100 right amazing and you got your fucking signs on everyone yeah, you yeah. can't go put real estate signs up on everyone's lawn today i the only thing holding me back from being the prime minister don't say you have nude, nude, too many nudes on the <laughs> well i guess there's a few <laughs> things holding me back You're like oh fuck i do have to worry about that eh the only thing holding me back is I appreciate sure you got to be bilingual, right? So like I would, yeah, ha- I would have to. Yeah, but you start with have to go learn French. Go learn but French. Start, yeah, but nobody's going to hire an. And you can't just like run for prime minister. I dude. think about that often. I'm like, I, I, hmm, I would say there. I hate. I, I hate to be the guy to break this to you, but it might not be the only thing holding you back from being prime minister. Well, no. Okay. There so might I, be a couple. There's of other steps <laughs> in the. But I, but I can, I can see it. Real estate agent. Drama teacher. <laughs> Get bigger in the space and grow in the space and build a big. That would be the Canadian dream, man. And then get into like uh, helping out with the markets, markets with housing and whatever, and policy, and slowly creeping my way up there. And like next thing you know, I'm vice president, and the president dies, and I step in. Okay, I can tell you as like as a real estate agent who you know is like relatively frequently quoted by the media on housing policy stuff. Nobody gives a fuck what real estate agents have to say about housing policy. Just to say, no, I'm I'm sure, but that's why. But that would be my that would be my stance, right? And that's how I win the election. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it might might be might be a bit of an uphill battle. Then. Um. All right, brother. Well, this was fun. As always, I learned a lot. Guys, follow him on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, whatever it is. Um, yeah, just Google me. Like where when yeah. um, you can. Yeah, you should F O C H. Yeah, Foch. Like um, Foch. Um, it's a pleasure keep doing what you're doing because you're giving us all the knowledge that we need and um, I'll keep translating uh, all the smart uh, dictionary words that you use I feel like since I got on TikTok I've been like pretty good at really yeah just dropping I'm not on TikTok as often right now I gotta get back on my game but I will uh, we'll take a look through your videos some interpretive dances together (laughs) I was doing ribbon dances with charts and stuff like that so it's been good. And that's been down to the studs, people. It's been a long time. Now we're back. Thanks, Danny boy. Pleasure. Thank you for having me.